Okay, uh, are we good? Are we broadcasting? Can you hear me? Okay, let's start with prayer. Savior, save. Great physician, heal. Word of God, speak. Amen. Well, I, have, I come to you uh, very excited about what I have to share today. Uh, not because I'm an expert at it or uh, that I have a lot of experience with it, uh, the topic today, but um, I am excited to share some scripture with you today that I think will be helpful whether you have experienced depression, whether you have been tempted to take your own life at some point in your life, whether you have loved ones that have done the same. And I myself have not been down that canyon very far or very long in my own life. Um, we, were, we recently visited the Grand Canyon, and I say visited, uh, we didn't go to the bottom of the canyon. We uh, were at the rim uh, for quite a while, went down the Bright Angel Trail for about a half an hour. But um, I, there were abundant signs and warnings about uh, people who were, got trapped and uh, attempted to go back down to the bottom of the canyon and come back the same day. And it was not a pretty sight, <laughs> uh, unprepared with water and to face the heat and stuff. So uh, I do have some limited experience, and uh, my family has wrestled with depression and even uh, temptation to suicide. So I'm assuming that most of the families that are represented here have some experience with that, if not you personally, uh, family or friends. And uh, my wife and I are uh, missionaries in member care with Sends North. So I know that our people out in rural Alaska uh, deal with this continually. And uh, one of the big impacts they have is to bring scripture to bear on some of the problems that are faced in the village. Okay, why? Why is this such a problem in, in rural areas, in rural Alaska and Canada? I don't know. I've heard theories. <laughs> theories abound. But I know it is a problem, and I know our people deal with it continually. So in an effort to help them uh, find resources to, to deal with this issue, I've been to a couple of seminars now uh, put on by professionals who uh, deal with uh, suicide, suicide prevention, intervention, and postvention, dealing with a surviving family and community after suicide. So um, that's kind of the extent of my experience. So is depression a material issue, or is it a spiritual issue? Well, um, I'm led to believe, in my limited experience with it, that it's, it's both. It's equally both. We people are cells with souls. So I don't think you can make it an either-or um, kind of issue, and I don't think you can make the treatment of it an either-or 
kind of issue. I think you have to deal with both aspects. Both aspects are uh, cause of depression and, uh, res and touches your whole life. Um, and since we are cells with souls, um, you can't ignore either one. There is a great temptation to ignore one or the other because it's so complex. And in my experience, I've discovered that depression is basically hormonal and mental and emotional and spiritual and behavioral and financial and theological and relational and sexual and nutritional and educational and professional and even meteorological. In short, it's a big mess. And I recommend that if you are um, deep in depression or experiencing chronic depression, that you find professional help to get out of that. Uh, situation and um, that that help be uh, believers if you are a believer because I don't think you can just reduce it down to one thing it's a great temptation I've had all kinds of people tell me what the problem what problem the root of the problem is with uh, in native rural villages and how it's easily solved if you just do this or that or whatever uh, it's a great temptation, but it's, uh, stop kidding yourself. It's a very complex problem. It has many dimensional dimensions, physical, spiritual, societal, relational. So, um, uh, I'll just give you why I think there is a, a physical aspect to de depression in um, temptation to suicide is that the people in, in, uh, that I've known, my friends and family, who have experienced uh, chronic and severe depression, almost as soon as they went on medication, they had immediate relief, relief from the worst of it. I mean, it was still there, it made it disappear. But almost immediately, there was a change. Now, I know that um, medication affects different people differently, but I know there, there is a, a physical component to that. All right, so why would I suspect then that uh, depression and suicide would have a spiritual component? Um, it's because of this, so much of depression and the symptoms of depression involve deception. I'll say it again, so much of depression involves deception and it's uh, it's a strange if it's a biochemical imbalance and that's all it is it's a strange imbalance because um, depression draws you away from the things that will help you recover from depression depression um, leaves a person desperately lonely but it draws you away and into isolation and causes you to burn bridges of relationship. Uh, depression, people feel desperately fatigued. They're too tired to deal with it. Yet, 
It draws you away from sleep into restless sleeplessness. Depression makes you desperately sad, but draws you away from the things that used to make you happy. Hobbies, people, those kinds of things. And depression for believers makes you desperately missing God, but drawn away from Christian fellowship, Bible study, even prayer. Uh, in my case, I found, I found that one thing that improves my forays into depression is physical exercise. And I know from experience that in some cases, you can't get out of bed when you're experiencing depression. And not only that, but it leads you toward false um, solutions, false ways out of that. Alcohol is an easy solution with uh, dire consequences, meth, maybe pornography, uh, other kinds of things. And ultimately, I believe the attempt uh, for suicide is a, a failed attempt to escape depression. A failed attempt to bring it to an end, which only passes the problem along and the tragedy along to survivors. This is a diabolical a trap, is it not? It's very complex how you end up there, but the, the temptation is just to go further and further into the canyon until you can't see a way out. So is it uh, physical or spiritual? Yes. And I see a spiritual battle going on. That is a dimension to depression, in addition to the physical aspect of it. Um, is there hope? Yes. Is there a way out? Yes. Is it obvious? No. And there are a lot of temptations to take shortcuts on the way out that will just increase the tragedy and the disaster. In short, when I look at the depression overall, I smell sulfur. So the problem is to hold on to the truth, uh, even when everything in you is leading you toward a, a deception, a way away from healing, away from life. And uh, one way to do that, that we'll look at today, is through scripture. Now, I'm not talking about uh, using scripture as a magic, um, a magic uh, spell. That was one thing we were cautioned against in suicide intervention. People aren't looking for you to draw alongside them and remind them of Romans 8.28 when they're considering suicide. That perspective is hard won down the road, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. That perspective is a long way off when someone's considering taking their own life. What am I talking about? Building a resistance to the deceptive parts of suicide by daily scripture reading. 
even, even with young people, I think part of uh, suicide prevention is what we do in summer camp, in um, Sunday school. We study the spiritual armor. We study the Psalms, like we're going to do today. And um, we can develop a resistance to that kind of depression that wants to suck you further and further into depression. So depression, I don't, I don't know if you've ever experienced an escape room, if you've ever done that. I, I have yet to do that. We did a board game that kind of simulated an escape room, and I could kind of see how it worked. What if a person uh, fell into the hands of a diabolical escape room host? What if he shoved you into the room uh, with a, uh, by yourself, locked the door, and um, cut off the power so you could not see the clues as to how to get out. Uh, from what I've seen of severe and chronic depression, that's kind of what it feels like. You're trapped in that room. There is no escape. And you can't see the way out. Have you been there? Have you been in that room? The no escape room? Have you had a loved one go be trapped in that room? I know how terrifying that is. Well, can born-again believers who are filled with the Spirit find themselves in that room? Well, yes, I think so. From personal experience, from family experience, from friends, I know from personal experience that missionaries with our organization have struggled with severe depression. I know that to be the case. I'm reading a book about a biography of Martin Luther, and he struggled with depression even after his um, launching of the Reformation and the truths that are found in the New Testament, the hope of the gospel. Even afterward, he struggled with depression. Even inspired authors of scripture struggle with depression. And as proof, we turn to Psalm 42. Have it up um, so people can follow along. If you can do that, Jason, it would be good. Psalm 42, let's read through it and listen to where the psalmist is. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, 
O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and from Hermon, from Mount Mizir. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Can you hear the honest desperation of the psalmist? You know, verse 1, it's probably because of the, of the praise song that's based on verse 1, as the deer pants for water. So the picture I had was a deer in a beautiful forest by a, uh, a, a gentle brook flowing, flowing by, and, you know, birds singing in the background, etc. You know, my, in the rest of this psalm, as I looked at it, this deer has been driven out into the desert by a pack of dogs, and he has been run into the ground. He is dying, and he desperately needs God, like that deer needs water to go on. I want to focus in on one of the most positive verses here that this psalmist is, is honest with you about his struggles and his questions that go unanswered. Why? I don't know. He doesn't know. God knows. He doesn't know. But he clings to God, and this he says in verse 8, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So he just said that um, tears were his food day and night at this point. So it's through tears that he is, is uh, confessing this, that he knows to be true despite all the evidence. By day the Lord commands steadfast love. That is an interesting word. I've, I've come to the conclusion that is the key word for the Psalms. That word, that Hebrew word is chesed. I think uh, Don mentioned that word not last week, but uh, it comes up again and again in the Psalms. In fact, it's, it's, um, it appears 127 times in the Psalms. And there are only 145 psalms, I think. I could be wrong about that. Um, anyway, almost every song, a psalm has a, a reference to this word chesed. The odd thing is, we don't know how to translate it. 
in English. And every translation, it seems, picks a little bit different emphasis in English on how to translate chesed. It's translated as love. Here, uh, in my version, is steadfast love, unfailing love, loving kindness, all one word, loving kindness, hyphenated, loving kindness, two words, kindness, faithful love, constant love, gracious love, loyal love, covenant love, mercy, mercies, and grace. So in short, we don't have one English word <laughs> that explains to you what chesed is, reveals what this love of God is. I think the best explanation is the love of God as it's revealed in the Psalms for his people. An aspect of the psalm of the love that God shows for his people is it lasts. And it chases you into the dark corners of your life. It's there. The psalmist is reaffirming this in one of his darkest hours of his life. It's there, even when it seems like God has abandoned him. Why have you forgotten, oh God? I know your love is there, and I know your love will not give up on me. I cannot praise you now. All I can do is cry. You know, I cannot go to church now, maybe. I cannot show my face there. All I can do is cry. The psalmist says, I will praise you again. I will lift my soul up to you because I know this chesed follows me, lifts me up, saves me, and will save again. I might need some help getting out of there. And be understanding people when somebody's in help, all they want is out of the room. They don't want a big Bible study <laughs> at this point. But if we can draw alongside our young people and talk about the Psalms, talk about this Psalm, talk about uh, that God is there even in the darkest hours that you cannot, you cannot outrun his love. You can't, he will not give up on you. This could deal with some of the deception that's whispered uh, during, uh, during a time of, of chronic depression. God has given up on you. If you were a real Christian, you wouldn't be here. Um, if you really loved God, you would come out of this and serve him, go back to church, lead the worship songs again, things like that. But, uh, this guy, the psalmist, was apparently a worship leader at one time. And uh, he says, I will praise you again. I was looking for a, a, not only the scripture, but a, a, a spiritual song that could be like a song in the night. Um, and uh, I think I found one when I um, um, attended the Randy Stonehill concert. Uh, when was that? Last spring, I guess. August. Oh. Okay. Great concert. And one, um, 
one of his songs really reached me that I had not heard before. I'm of a generation that knows a lot of Randy Stonehill songs from decades ago. But uh, this one I hadn't heard before, but it really uh, reached out to me as a way to explain God's chesed in a modern, as a modern day kind of uh, psalm. So uh, in closing, I would like to uh, cue that up and play it for you again. Strangers' faces, I 
Will you stand with me for prayer? Lord, we call on your name. Word of God, speak. Great physician, heal. Savior, save. Amen. Amen.